0: Are these, what are these noises you're making? I'd love if you're like a roadie and you were just going on the, on, on the road and rather than going cheer, cheer, chest, test, test, one, two, one, two, you're just there. Just. These work fine. Yeah, these are fine.
1: Well, if you're a roadie, you go around different sections and you'd be like, okay, let's test the uh, guitar. Let's test the, uh, the drums. Let's test the horns. Mm.
0: And then test the piano. Ooh. The
1: piano is a really hard one to do, actually. That's right. <laughs> There's nothing, you can't do it. a piano sound. <laughs> I actually think you need two people to test the piano using the sound of voice because you've, you've got two keys playing at any time, so that's what makes it, that's what sells it. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Bum that's jazz
0: bom <laughs>
1: bum Welcome to another episode of the That's Rank podcast. I am Rob. And I'm Liam. That's true. But
0: no, yes, welcome back to our episode of That's Rank. Now, we've been talking recently a lot about our our wheels to randomly rank things, and we've done it. We've actually gone out and bought ourselves a proper wheel. A proper wheel. Mm. You know, I, w- I was kind of worried that the, uh, the electronic version of the wheel would, mm. would get a bit, you know, mm. people would question. That's right. People are like, oh, are you just choosing something. Mm. So we've now got ourselves a very, very fancy uh, – let's say – oh, can you hear that? Let's Actually, let's do a comparison. Which one's the sound effect? Which one's the actual – wheel? you tell me? That was the sound effect for sure. <laughs> oh, that's right. Also <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's a dead giveaway. It's that's a dead, dead, giveaway dead giveaway at
1: the end there. No. I love the fact that, um, you know, humanity – Leapfrogged itself when it invented the wheel. That's right. And uh, the That's Bank podcast is a, is a is a is a direct allegory for humanity in so many ways, that's including right. the fact that we've we've now have a wheel, and now that we've invented the wheel, we have
0: invented it. Yes, purely. purely uh, we're, we're
1: skyrocketing to the sun. That's right. Purely our idea. Yeah. No one else has thought of this. before. No one else has ever thought of a wheel like this before.
0: And look, the numbers one one to twenty four. That's how many choices we've got.
1: 24 choices. There are 24 choices. And are we full? Are we full on all 24? I actually have a surplus of a... Uh, really? I've got a surplus, my friend. So so we've, got a,
0: we've got a carton and a few. We do. We do. We do. In fact, um, I've, I've actually had to go ahead and choose. So I've put a list of 24. Mm-hmm. So the wheel, to be fair, is, you know, it's still in its, its early stages. It's only got numbers. Mm. Like we have no way to actually draw the topics directly onto the wheel as of
1: yet. However, do you know what? It's, we don't have the technology for that. We don't. No, it's, that's just going at a whole next level.
0: And you know what, $35 from IKEA is much better than uh, some of the wheels I looked at online. Mm. No joke, we're pushing up into the thousands of dollars. Really? Yeah. And they're like the ones that have like you but you can like each individual section is yeah. is uh, editable, you can yeah. write on it, you can draw on it.
1: So, Liam, as the as your partner in this uh podcast, yes. and now you've just revealed to me that you've gone for the cheapest possible option. Yes, yes. I I asked the question, how dedicated are you to this to this venture? Uh, what, does well, this, what does this mean to you? Why not put a thousand dollars on a wheel? I mean, seriously, man, come on, let's get serious.
0: I apologise sincerely to my list, our listeners, that I didn't go full full, help, have full, met, full, wheel. full tilt, full wheel. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go, I didn't go really crazy with the, uh, with, the with the budget there. Uh, uh, I mean,
1: how do you spend that extra nine hundred and seventy dollars? Mm. It'll be like like gold. You just hear instead of a, you hear this ding ding ding. Ding ding, which should be a solid gold little 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 nodule sticking out.
0: that would remind me too much of my casino days doing the money wheel, like spinning oh, the big. Because yeah. that, yeah. that was a big old, a big yeah. old wheel. And I'm not too sure if they actually piped, they piped like noises into it as well. Like they piped like a little ding 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 every I, time it went around. Yeah. And then as it slowed down, it kind of slowed down with it. Because yeah. Oh yeah, but that, that wheel was big. Yeah. It was a big wheel. And it used to be a, a staple for all the old nanas coming in mm. every Thursday. They used mm. to bring the bus in with the nanas, the nanas and they got a little voucher for a $2.50 bet. Mm. And they used to come and gamble, gamble that $2.50 bet, win, yeah.
1: and then leave. That's it. What, is, what, are you trying, what, do, you, what do you mean? I think surely there's there's people on that bus that are sitting there going, ding, 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 ding into the slots.
0: Or do you know, You're probably right. Yeah. You're probably right. I just I thought this would be a really nice story where – you know, we could we could learn us gamblers could learn yeah. from this. You know, you win and you walk away. Yeah, yeah. But you, you're right. You're right. They yeah. use that little token, yeah. their little token of appreciation yeah, for coming right. to the uh, the casino.
1: No, I like that. You went for the positive angle, yeah. and I'm just sitting there thinking about the loneliness of yes. of, of impending death. Yes. at that age, and and, and how like that that's those small thrills at the casino is all that some people have.
0: Well, that's all some <laughs> people have.
1: Welcome to that's podcast. Happy, <laughs> <laughs> happy, happy fun, joy, happy, happy, joy,
0: happy, happy. What is true though? I mean, it is it is the real uh, the real life the breakdown of the of the slots, which is kind of why it's great that we don't have them in um, outside of the casino here. Because yeah. you know you don't have to be old to be lonely. And some of those pubs that I used to go into in in New South Wales, mm. where they have the the pokies, the yeah, man, they there was some I'm very young. And sad people in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's rubbish. Why can't we just go to the pub and have a beer, have a burger, watch, watch a, the footy? Watch a band. Watch a band watch play. a band, maybe. Yeah. Not have the pressures of, you know... Pokey machines. $30,000 jackpots yeah. right there at your fingertips. That's right.
1: I, I refuse to do the Hokey Pokey purely because oh. of the name. Uh, you know, the, I feel like it's promoting it similar the pokies.
0: Yeah. It, it, it's actually one of the uh, the songs they used in the early days of the pokies, yeah. like, to actually promote them, so... Yeah. It, it, it checks out. It yeah. checks out. Yeah. Do the hokey pokey and you put a coin in and that's what gold it's all about. You put, put the gold handle coin down. In, <laughs> you put the gold coin. You put the
1: candle no. gold coin in. You put no coins it, out. It, 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 that's it, what it's all about. It would
0: be you put the gold coin in. You put the gold coin in. You put the gold <laughs> coin in. You put the gold coin in. <laughs> Pull the handle down and then you're all out. Of oh, money. you've got nothing. You should go home now. Don't go to the ATM. Dun, 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 dun. Give me a home among – I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> you were you were about to say a story about you and a friend, Lamb? Oh, uh, cut you off.
0: but it's okay. Basically, all it was was how he went to the pokies one night and he won, oh, I think it was $15,000. Yeah. And there's a button on the pokie, right, that's called – $15,000. 15000 right, and there was a, there's a button – on the pokies, that basically that you gamble your winning. You can what? double it or lose, right? And it's basically a 50-50. You choose red or black. So if it's a red suit, like, so it's got the suits, the hearts, diamonds, spades, clubs. If you pick red and it's a red one, you double your winning. And you can keep doing that until you say you don't want to anymore. So he had this 15 grand. He goes, "Ah, oh, fuck it. I'm just going to gamble. I was like, my guy, it's 15 grand. It's it's quite a bit of cash. Gamble it, won, and thought, you know what? I'm on a heater. So got began, up to thirty, got to thirty, and then lost it all. The next, uh, the next thing,
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> and that's what and it's, it's all up. about. <laughs> 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 oh my goodness me! Oh man, thirty grand! I, I
1: couldn't, oh. I could even fathom.
0: I couldn't even fathom. Like,
1: oh, that's when you, that's when you were the voice of reason, the angel on the shoulder, and you were, you did yeah. the right thing. You did the right yeah. thing. That friend needed. We all need a friend like you, and. We need our friends like you. We need to listen to those friends. Yes, you know, at the end of the day.
0: Well, sometimes, you know, sometimes when it comes to gambling, I find this as well. And like, obviously, having worked in the, um, having worked in the casino, yeah, you could have all the friends in the world telling you that you shouldn't keep going. Doesn't matter. No. It doesn't matter. Once you're once you're in the chase, once you're in the thrill of it, yeah, it's uh, it's very hard to break for some people, that's unfortunately. Right. That's so right. a bit more of a somber start to today, but that's okay. I think it's a good lesson to to. to to get out there, a good—that's one to true. get true.
1: That's true. It is a, a poignant, a poignant thing to reflect on. And yeah. now let's uh, spin let's, the wheel. Let's, let's spin the wheel and do some fun ranking. <laughs> well, here's the thing: what are we gambling? What? Is bad. Now let's spin the wheel. <laughs> 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 one,
0: one, one of the uh, one of the options on the on the wheel is like um, it just says do a lap naked around the uh, around the suburb. So it's not actually a rank, but just to put a bit of element of danger in here. So otherwise, you know, what's the what's the odds? What are the stakes here? There's no stakes.
1: We just get to find well, out. Liam, now it's time for me to be that friend oh. and to say, let's not, let not, let's take that off the, let's take that off the options.
0: Oh no, 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 no. We no, we have to have something that's going to be a bit more exciting. Okay. Yeah, oh, there we go. See how easy was that? <laughs> <laughs> okay,
1: I do like one lap, and I'm like double or nothing. Two laps. <laughs>
0: You start enjoying it, and then the rabbit hole we go down.
1: So, what happened to rub? <laughs> he just got too many, too many uh charges of indecent exposure. No, yeah, no, yeah, he's gone. He's gone. He's gone. He's, he's just gone. gone in the clink.
0: So here's here's how we're going to work it. We've got the wheel. We've got the actual physical wheel. Thanks IKEA from the kids section as well. What what kid would need this? You reckon? I would not. Uh, that's
1: not something you'd buy a child. No,
0: but it's it's in the it's in the children section of IKEA. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So you might as well put a little. You know, you might as well make it a little roulette wheel. Well, yeah. Teach it's like, them, it's te- like they used to sell like the the the, the 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 this little smokes back in the day. Oh yeah, do you remember those things? Oh, the, I I the do candy.
0: I think we should not. We shouldn't mention that too much though. Because not forgetting that one of the things on the on the thing is childhood lollies. Oh, is it really? So we could potentially spin that today. So we could
1: go in there. We
0: should, we, yeah. we could start talking about. the mind, It is mind
1: mind-blocking, though when you think about it. What's that? I used to go down to the. Oh yeah, yeah. and I used to I used to change the change name. I used to go down to the shop and buy the fads. The hmm. pack of fads. What, they, what, what were they called before that though? Well, they changed the name. Oh, they then. did, didn't they, they? Changed the name. Cheeky. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but but again. How, you know, what the hell? Like not only is it Tory cigarettes, yep. but it's also a, a slang term. Yes. Uh, not a slang term, it's a slur.
0: Well, it was a slang term for cigarettes back in the day. It also was a slang yeah. term for cigarettes, daggs, as well as a slur. Only dags smoke fads, you know, so. Mm-hmm. See that? Dodged it nicely. Yep. Um, so what we've got, we've got the wheel here. Um, Big Rob's going to give it a spin. I've got uh, 24 of our our topics. I've given each one a number. Yep. And whatever the number is, is what we are going to be ranking today. Here we go. Give it. Are a you big, ready? Are you ready? I'm gonna, I'll hold the base here so you can give it a right old rip.
1: The ace of bass. Oh,
0: very very demure spin there. It was pretty demure, wasn't Would it? Would you want like to do you wanna go again, or are you happy with that?
1: Well, I'm happy with that. We've, we've, I don't feel like we can get in the habit of going again. I feel like when we roll, we roll. Do you know what I mean? Otherwise oh, we...
0: I, I agree, but I was, I, just, I was really disappointed in that spin. Oh really? I was hoping for a big old rip. That's why I was holding the base.
1: So I have not looked at what's come up because number nineteen has come up. I have not looked at what that is. So because I haven't looked at what that is, I shall go another one. I'll go a big roll for you, then.
0: I haven't looked. I didn't look at number nineteen either yet. So let's give it. Give it a rip. Give it a rip. Three, two, one. Ah, that a boy. That's what we're after. We laugh. It's nineteen again. Ooh, number four. Number four. Number four. I preferred 19. All right. So number four, today we'll be ranking our top three books. Our top three books. So I mentioned this to someone the other day that like, uh, I am, who was it? I showed one of my friends who was around our list of current, current yeah. um, uh, rank topics. Yeah. And they were like, not a whole lot of, uh, of literature based things on there, is there? It's all movies. It's all food. Mm, mm, and I was like, well, that's a very, very good point,
1: actually. Well, movies, what? Like movies and food, it's like well, my number one is actually the menu from McDonald's, <laughs> and my number two is the movie page from the newspaper. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it?
0: That's right. Well, I mean, this is your rank. <laughs> you can do what you like. Yeah. But yeah, I was. It, they made a very good point. I was like, well, what should we put in? What what should be our our thing for literature? And they just said, yeah, yeah. books. That's all they said. Okay, books. Now, now I'm I'm. I have read, I'm not going to say that I haven't read, yeah. but reading hasn't been a, a, as big a part of my life as it has for a lot of other people, you know, yep. Yep. like some people have really, really get involved and get really lost in, lost in books. That's true. I, I don't think I've really ever had that, um that level of fascination for books. I'm not too sure if it's because I, I don't really find fiction all of the, all that uh, fascinating. Yep. Um, you know, most of them, I think off the top of my head, the ones I'm thinking of at today are going to be mostly uh, mostly autobiographies or actual real-life stories. Yep. Because, yeah, I don't know why. I, just, I find it very hard to get into fictional
1: mm. novels. Mm. Mm. It's certainly, with the advent of all sorts of new technology and, st- and forms of storytelling, the book is certainly a thing that's kind of fallen a little bit by the wayside, but it still certainly has a real solid place in many people's hearts. Oh, yeah. You know, the, the rise of the book club, yes. for example. It's coming back. Which I think or is also, it's not just a, an interest. It's not just a hobby. It's also it's also a coming of age okay. event to join a book club. Mm-hmm. I feel like it means you, you've reached a p- p- pinnacle of maturity when one joins a book club. Have you joined a book club before then?
0: I, No. So you're uh, still to
1: blossom, my friend. I'm still to blossom. You're yeah, still to blossom. I, I'm
0: not too sure if I'll ever be invited to a book club. I'm not sure if I'll ever want to go to a book club. Mm. Only because, like, what's it, like, They have a month to read a book?
1: It's a month to read a book. Well, let me tell you, I've just joined one, and I don't think I've actually managed yet to read a book in a month. Like, it's, It is a hard thing. Because if you're not – because I'm like you. I've I read books. So yeah. I, I've, been, I've gone through phases of life where I've been book heavy, book light. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I'm not a fast reader. I'm a slow reader. It takes yeah. me a while. And I really read a book on a holiday. I tend to really read a book on a holiday.
0: I'm the same actually. Like you know, those those stop and drop and flop holidays. I mm. might take a book with me on those on those trips and, and sit there and, and, and get involved with it because you've got nothing else going on. Mm. Where else is your brain mm. other than by the pool and when it's an acceptable time to drink a mojito? Mm. That's all you're worried about on holiday, right? But I'm, I'm, I guess I'm kind of the same. I'm not really much of a book reader. I get really tired when I read books. Yes, like I can read like a page of a book. And then I'll just be falling asleep straight yeah. away. And yeah. it's not because the book is boring. Yeah. I think it's just because my brain, it's just, it's just...
1: It's not used to thinking that much. Exactly. It just gets tired. It's, yeah. like, it's like a muscle. Yeah. You're just like, oh, gosh.
0: Fatigue, instantly.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think, I think uh, books... I, mean, I remember when I was in primary school, Yeah, I used to get really excited about the, the monthly book club. Okay. And, at, and book club, you know, you'd get the little... Did you, did, you, did, you ever, did you do this in your school? Like you'd get the little... Um, it was like a little uh, pamphlet. Okay. And then you'd you know, choose the books you wanted from the pamphlet. I don't think it was every month, but at some point in the year we'd have this, maybe a few points in the year, you would have this little thing, would get given a pamphlet and then you could go and you could take your order up to the front of class and then you'd order the book and then you'd get like a little show bag of books. No, I used, we, to get, we, I used to get really excited about that.
0: We didn't have that. That sounds like a, I probably would have been on board with that.
1: Yeah, that was like well, yeah, show bags. Yeah, that's that's that gets you excited about
0: books. Yeah, you open up and you are like, where are the birdie beetles? <laughs> <laughs> Those no, in here? No chocolates. No chocolates.
1: No. So that's probably why it becomes. It, that's probably why I got phased out because too yeah. many disappointed children. to me So much crying. Ah, my birdie beetles. I love is bloody wind in the willows. <laughs> what well, wind in the willows? Wind in the willows. God.
0: A lot of a lot of those. Um, I think a lot of those books back there, all the Roald Dahl books, like mm. and BFGs and all that mm. kind of stuff, mm. massive when I was younger. Bigger, like, yeah. Like I used to love reading when I was younger. I used to love reading. Yes. Like I think I think when you're when you're a young child, obviously reading is a is a really huge informative part of how you mm. develop your your ability to read. Yes. Obviously, it's in the name.
1: And I think also the uh, the book was the iPad before the iPad came along. Yeah. So when the kids are running, getting a little bit energetic and running around, you are just like, "Here, have a book. Yeah, just read this book. Yeah, read this book." And then, and then the kids would be off in the corner just reading the book. Yeah, um, it'll be the um, what was it? The Choose Your Own Adventure. Remember those oh, Choose dude! Choose Your Own Adventure.
0: I'm, I'm getting all these ideas coming into my head from how I'm going to rank this, and yeah. that just triggered something in my brain. Mm. Triggered something. Triggered it big time. In fact, mm. it's going to be a series. I'm not even going to. I'm not even going to tell you what it is yet. Right. I'm looking forward to it. I feel like my voice is really deep and raspy today compared to most other days. Is it? Do you do you not hear it?
1: I, I think a bit raspier. Okay. It's the same level of uh it's the same level of depth. Okay, that's good. But it's a bit raspier. Why well, What's happened that?
0: I'm not entirely sure. I'm not entirely sure. I just re- I literally just then I was like I sound different today.
1: <laughs> it, <laughs> And I'm not sure if that's such a good thing, given that we're in the middle of an Omicron wave. Oh here no, Australia, it's fine. I'm getting a bit, I'm getting a bit croaky. Uh, I don't know what's wrong. <laughs> what could it possibly be? What could it possibly be?
0: No, it's it's it's. Fortunately,
1: we are more than 1.5 minutes away from each other. We are, we are. However, it's likely we'll spend more than 15 minutes recording this <laughs> podcast. Now, to be a f- true close contact, it's two hours in a room, a small room, uh, approximately the size of a classroom. Okay. I would like to say that this will be less than two hours, but you know, we we, we go long. <laughs> we go long. We've never hit the two hour mark though. We've I don't think we've ever really hit the one. Oh, for one, one episode, definitely no, definitely not. The one d- and a half hour mark, maybe once.
0: I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I know which one will end up being the longest one, and that'll probably be our our upcoming guest rank that we're going to be having. Yep, yep. That will that will probably be the longest that one yet. The long one. But soda soda drinks. We're, we're getting we're getting longer every week.
1: Getting longer every week. Giggity.
0: Giggity. <laughs> Where, where's your mind at? What kind of books you've been reading?
1: Well, F- actually, true. 50, Fifty Shades. Point. If I was to really, truly write, like, write um meaningful books in my life, then there might be a few, <laughs> a few of uh, you know, a few uh. That's not maybe. Maybe let's not talk about this.
0: A few erotic novels, erotic novellas.
1: No, but just you know, like the, the back in the day, it was uh, it was. I, I remember this with nostalgia now because I feel back like, in 1892
0: before like, pictures I do, were
1: invented. I do feel like uh, I feel like it was a more innocent time. When's know, that? Just in uh, like the early to mid nineties, okay, before the internet came along, when most young boys would probably discover, mm-hmm. you know, certain things through National Geographic, a couple of magazines oh, that, yeah. that got, you know that someone had a magazine. Oh, okay. I remember! I remember specifically hiding in the bushes, looking at um, like some magazines with some friends, going, "Oh, what the hell? Look at this!" Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, but now I'm like, gosh, you're like seven and you're watching hard, hard porn, hard, hard-, hard, hard pornography. Hard, Hardcore pornography. Hardcore corn. Hardcore pornography. I'd think uh, more innocent times. More innocent times.
0: I still remember one of my buddies had a treehouse, and under the floorboards of said treehouse was just a stack of Playboys. And it was just that it was the most naughty thing you could do because it's kind of like, ooh. And you're right. Nowadays, people could literally, like, kids could pick up their phone and just be like, you know, literally Google the word corn. And then all of a sudden, bombarded.
1: If you Google corn, I wonder how many options it would be before something pornography based appeared. Just saying.
0: Well, have you heard of Rule Thirty Four? No, what's that? Rule Thirty Four is if it's basically the rule is if it exists, there is porn of it.
1: <laughs> rule Thirty Four of what? Out of, of, of how many? What rule book?
0: Oh no, there's no rule book. I think it's just called like I don't know the, the oh. I don't know the manusha of Rule Thirty Four. I'm pretty sure it started on 4chan, which is why I didn't really get to uh, oh. I didn't dive deep yeah. into what the Rule yeah. Thirty Four is. Yeah. I just know that it's a thing. It's yeah. on Urban Dictionary and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. So if you ever like, if you ever like, had a, a, a it's
1: unfortunate of course it's porn related. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. Yes.
0: But if you ever had a fascination about Dyson vacuum cleaners, uh, look Rule Thirty Four. <laughs> 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 so then, shall we rank? Let's rank. Let's rank. Um, I'll I'll kick off today because I want to okay. ke- keep it fresh in my head while okay, while it's there. While it's there.
1: You're like Mr. Grumpy.
0: <laughs> no grug. Number three is grug. <laughs>
1: No, it's no not joke. Great. No, Greg is a. It's not. I'm not going to put it on here. No, but no joke. Greg is a very special book to me.
0: Yeah, Greg is a special book to me as well. Yeah. Very special book. Honorable mention for both of us. Mm. Greg, and the Hungry Caterpillar and H- Harry McCleary from Donaldson's Dairy. All those kids' books, and I'm going to stick on that kind of kids' books thing. Is that one?
1: Harry Harry
0: McCleary from Donaldson's Dairy. <laughs> Rule 34, Liam. Oh, that's right. Rule 34. <laughs> Do you know what? <laughs> if it doesn't matter. The um, if. The, the, the on the same on the same note, I'm going to go back in time.
1: Yeah, these days Rule 34 is there's a hairless McClary. <laughs> Don't
0: <laughs> Well, I'm pretty sure Harry McClary was actually the dog. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, hair, and a, hairl- a hairless McClary, and I think it was one of those big like moppy moppy hair dogs. Ah, yeah. So a hairless McClary would be um, kind of scary. <laughs> 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 oh gosh! Um, number three the series it's a series ah it's goosebumps ah goosebumps now i tell you why even as a 36 year old man i'm still putting goosebumps up there as mm. my um as in my top books of all time Yeah, is because it probably was the first series of books that i ever read yeah. where i was just involved like just every everything was goosebumps to me at that time yeah right i used to wait for the next rl stand to come out the abominable snowman of Pasadena, mm. give it to me. Mm. That's the only one I can remember at the moment, which sucks because I know there was like seventy thousand books, and I owned all of them. Yeah, and yeah. they started doing choose your own adventures, which is where it popped into my head from when you said that before. Uh huh. Um, but the names of the books, you know, I'm going to do something I don't normally do. I'm just going to actually do a, a cheeky Google and just bring up the name of some of these books because they were fantastic. TV series actually spawned in the 90s as well. Ryan Gosling in some of the um, uh, the initial. Goosebumps episodes, as a young Canadian, she Canadian, yeah, like all the best actors, That's and good. Bieber. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was. I think Goosebumps started like around about nineteen ninety two. Yeah, went till like I nineteen ninety seven, which is essentially my entire primary school existence. Mm. I started in primary school in ninety one, went through to ninety seven, mm. um, and he would just pump these bad boys out. Like mm. every other month, there'd be a new one coming out, mm. and. I vividly remember the shelf in my bedroom just being all ordered because it would be on on the spine of the book. It'd be like uh, number one, Welcome to the Dead House, because mm. they're all horror horror based novels. Mm-hmm. Hence the Goosebumps, scary. But here's some of the names. I'll, I'll give you some of the names of some of these some of these books. Some of them are really kind of you know horror horror basics like Monster Blood, you know, very scary. Some were like Say Cheese and Die, which is basically I'm pretty <laughs> sure that was about a killer camera. Uh, that would like you to take a picture and like, yep. it's a, yeah. Uh, welcome to Camp Nightmare, which as most Americans could uh, sympathize with, some of those camps have some pretty good horror stories. So for RL to kind of lean into that and just give them one, the Cuckoo Clock of Doom.
1: <laughs> well, I can actually see how that, because so, there is something a bit scary about a cuckoo clock.
0: Cuckoo clocks are essentially yeah. terrifying. Yeah. Because it's probably the horror movie trope that's kind of put it into us, but like dong, and then it's
1: like a clock that 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 has a nagging uh, capacity built into it. Mm -hmm. Because time itself is a nag, like time, impending time, and appointments and being there. But the cuckoo clock is like, it's time, it's time, it's time, it's time, time! cuckoo, cuckoo. All of a sudden, it's cuckoo, cuckoo. (laughs) That's my that's my impression of a cuckoo clock. I
0: mean, look, I mean, it's in the name, right? Yeah,
1: cuckoo, cuckoo. Mm -hmm.
0: But yeah, the Cooker Clock of Doom. Yeah, probably it was what, was what a page it was. Terror. Page turner. They were all page turners, mm-hmm. and this is why this is why I really like really really love them. There was only sixty two. I say he only wrote sixty two books in five years. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Get on with it, R. Stein. But no, they, they they I remember like every single one that came out. You know when you when you read something or you watch something and you just you have this uh, inherent attachment to it. Yeah, like you always want to know what's going to happen next and who's going to come out next and what's mm-hmm. going to happen next. I had that with Goosebumps. But strangely enough, it wasn't one that kind of st- stuck with me. You know, like for nostalgia's sake, people like look back and they're kind of like, oh man, I remember that. This only popped into my head when you mm. mentioned it just mm. now. I'm guessing you weren't much of a Goosebumps guy.
1: No, I never got into Goosebumps. You've been, very quiet, got, you've been very
0: quiet while yeah, I've been yeah, reading I, really, <laughs> I mean, I remember the TV
1: show and then they made a movie about it. I mean, but I know similar things, you know. So what was there? So, I mean, right. The similar type of serial kid stuff for me was um, Famous Five and The Secret Seven. You know the Enid Blighton type stuff. that okay. like like they were kind of similar, although not so much. That that was the same group of characters, like solving mysteries each week. Uh, Tales from the Crypt is another oh, kind yeah. of one. Classic. You know, so I do, I do, I kind of have the senses to, I guess others. You know, for me, when you're looking at like a serial, I mean, I guess there's, I think, of some of the graphic novel series like Ten Ten and Asterix and Obelix. So oh, also, um, I was
0: a massive fan of those too. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah,
1: and and there's something so cool about that serial nature as a kid, like going to the library. And you know, just going to the library at school, like I used to go to the library at school all the time. Yeah. You know, they had the whole Asterix set, yeah. you know, and you'd just be able to go through the whole Asterix kind of collection, the tinting collection. And, yeah, you, you develop a real – and I guess it's because it is – here. I, I wonder if it's because you're younger, you're still developing your sense of, like, uh, your ability to read and your ability to kind of grasp these stories. The fact that there's so mm. many characters and things that you can – or not just so many characters. In the, in the case of Goosebumps, just like a familiar – like structure. A, structure. Oh, yeah. Like boundaries. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like you, know, you know what you're going to get with Goosebumps. You do. The- um, you develop a real attachment to it. It becomes that safe place. It becomes that thing you look forward to. Yeah. Oh, it's, just, it's the same thing and the thing I like, but there's a new version of it. That's right. So I wonder yeah. how, it, so it's not something I trust, but it's also going to be like something surprising about it.
0: I actually wouldn't mind going back and reading a couple of the Goosebumps Goosebumps books just because I'd be interested to see like how similar they all actually are. Yeah. It's probably just the same story. Like given the fact he pumped them out. mm just change the name of the characters, slightly change the plot, change where it's set and change what the uh, – like he probably – he must have had like a method, mm. like a method to kind of keep pumping them out. But no, I, the only reason I'm chucking this in at number three is just purely because it was definitely one of the first and most influential uh, series that I ever partook in. Ever
1: partook in. Yes. So I am going to – and I've been, on, on the spot, a few novels have sprung to mind. Now – My one and two, I'm also going to call back a little bit. So I'm going to call back a little bit to probably stuff that I did read when I was younger, where it made maybe more of a a, a seminal mark on me. Okay. But there's definitely a few novels that I've read as an adult, which I'm kind of wanting to put in here. Um, And I've decided on this one, um, and I'm not too sure if there's – because there was also – there was one novel which I honestly just read. The Bible? Yeah. The the Bible. No, there was one novel I got so hooked into. Oh, okay. The the, the Beach by Alex Garland. This is my number three. But this is an honorable mention I'm just going to raise now. Yep. Because it was one of those novels. It's actually a really good book. Obviously, most people are familiar with it through the – Sit the movie with Leonardo DiCaprio. Yes. Which was quite a drastic kind of step away from the novel. Mm. The novel itself just gets really, really messed up. Um, but it was just gripping. Like, I got halfway through that novel and I, had, I remember I had like uni the next day. I couldn't put it down. Yeah. Like every time I tried to sleep, I just couldn't put it down. I literally stayed up all night just to finish that book. Uh, but this one, I'm actually going to. I'm Going to put in there because it does also, it was a time and place, like all things. I like to refer back to these things at a time or place. This one I watched when I was on holidays in Vietnam. You watched a book? I, I read. Isn't that a slip? Isn't that like a, a Freudian, Freudian slip? Yeah. I watched a book because I don't read that as much as I used to anymore. The TV but,
0: um, wasn't working. I put it in front of the TV and just watched it.
1: <laughs> so, this was 2011. Okay. And I was, um, I went on a trip to Vietnam for 10 days. Very nice. And it wasn't like a well conceived trip. It was just like a get out of Dodge. Let's just go for a quick little, 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 little border hop and just go for a little adventure. Sure. So, I went to Hanoi. I uh, didn't really have much, ma- much much mapped out, but I was, my first night in, in, in Hanoi in, in, at the hostel, I met a uh, Canadian girl from, gosh, I can't remember where she was from in Canada, but she was living in, in Israel. Okay. Uh, Jewish girl living in Israel, and there was me, and we decided just to kind of like just travel together for the 10 days. We both had a similar kind of thing, and we we're going to go to Harlong Bay. Nice. But then we started looking into Harlong Bay, we were like, you know what? Dirty. Yeah, like it, we, we looked at it and we're like, oh, I'm just not feeling like this is the thing that we're into, but we still want to go there. Yeah. So we go to Harlong City and we stay in a the hotel there. Um which is quite an edgy little city, Long City. Just just by the by, it has a different little vibe to e- it. Than edgy, Bay.
0: edgy in terms of like uh, it's
1: not as touristy as you'd expect because most people transition through and they go straight across to, to Harlong Bay and they sleep on the yeah. boats out there in Long Bay. Well, it's it's the whole b- which is what that's what I did. That's what, it, yeah, that's, yeah. what that's what. So so Long City is just like this little kind of slightly edgy kind of vibe. Like it felt like a little bit kind of uh, edgy, the city. I don't know how else to describe D- it. Like dangerous? Small, dangerous? Ed- edgy? Eh, or maybe small. like a little bit. Just had a, like a, It just didn't feel so overly touristy as I was expecting. Okay. Anyway, then we caught this So we did ca- uh, catch the boat and we did go out to Halong Bay and do the whole little Halong Bay day trip thing. Then we came back and we're like, we want to go somewhere like this, but just we just want to find somewhere a bit different. So we went on the Lonely Planet Forum, Yeah. a fawn tree, and we found these people talking about an island. I can't even remember the name of the island anymore. But basically, we had to get down to like the docks. There was a, we had to find like a fishing boat that there was. This is the way to it get sounds to like KD, an amazing
0: um, um, episode of the Amazing Race.
1: It was kind of like an episode of the Amazing Race. So we go down there and like you jump on this boat, and the boat had it wasn't a fishing boat, but it was definitely a boat not for the sole purpose of chartering tourists. So there was about five or six of us in total. Yeah, um, we'd picked up a couple of other Stragglers. stragglers along yep. the way, and we all sat on the roof of this boat. Sunburn, a bit about to a crisp on this trip because, like, we're just sitting on the roof. The bottom was all full of boxes and stuff like that. And we're just cruising on this boat for four and a half hours through the rest of Ha Long Bay, which yeah. looks just like Ha Long Bay. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's still just these beautiful kind of, like, rocky, outcroppy things and just, like, it's like, what the hell? Yeah. Where am I? And we're sitting there cruising along. And we eventually find this island with, like, just seems to be nothing else on it, just this tiny little town. Um, there was nowhere really to stay, but we kind of go, and there was a little hotel thing which we weren't very impressed by. They said, oh, go to the other side of the island. You rent a motorcycle, go to the other side of the island, and there's this little place that you can – little guest house place. So we jumped in the motorcycle, we are cruising along – you know, we're cruising through the the, the rice that was very very stereotypical. We're cruising through the rice paddy fields and we're cruising along. And stereotypical, it's but beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Like this, you know, nothing. Like, but there's just nothing else around. Like there wasn't any other tourists around. Like we were literally like two of the only like three young like get you know, like our little like group. Yeah, we, we didn't know the other four. We quickly parted ways with them. So there was just me and Aviva. We just jumped on the motorbike, get the other side of the city. There's this little, tiny little 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 restaurant, little. Hangout place where there was at, at, no joke. At most, only four people staying at this resort. There was like three or four different rooms. Mm. There was then this little area where you had like a kitchen, you had a couple of hammocks. I remember specifically there was two hammocks because you'd always try to get up early and get get the hammock because there was only ever four people staying there. <laughs> you'd go and get the hammock, and then and it kind of went out to this beach.
0: You'd think if you ever have a place that's only ever be four people. Just get four hammocks.
1: Well, you could have had up to twelve people, I think. You could
0: have oh. people,
1: but they only had the two hammocks, and anyway, it was just a really weird little adventure. We just sat on the beach for like five days. Yeah, so we just went out there, sat on the beach for five days. It just felt like it was really tucked away. And I read this novel uh, by Haruki Murakami, and it was it's called Hard Boiled Wonderland and the End of the World. Okay, so it's not one of uh, the famous Murakami novels because he's certainly written a few famous ones. Has he? He has, like a uh, Norwegian Wood. Would be one that he's written. He's a, he's a quite he's a he's a quite a well known accomplished Japanese author. He's been writing for a long time. He wrote this one, I think, in the eighties, and like all of my options today, I'm going to struggle to describe to you plot. That's fine, but effectively you had we don't, it, don't give too much it, plot it, away anyway. The, yeah, exactly, because this is all stuff from a while ago. But he had kind of two stories in the story. So he had Hardboiled Wonderland, and then he also had the End of the World. And they alternated chapters between each other. Oh, and you kind of had one which was very much about this, um, this kind of, uh, this kind of like little war type, two very two warring kind of factions fighting it off, and it was more like an espionage action kind of thing. Yeah, and then on the other side you had the end of the world, which was this more really mystical kind of magical. Kind of journey, you know. And eventually the two stories kind of converged in theme. So
0: they spliced, they spliced together chapter by chapter. And they eventually.
1: So all like, odd numbers was one and even numbers were, were the other. Fascinating. So you go from one to the other, one to the other, wow. one to the other. And I just sat on the hammock for four days reading Hard Boy Wonderland. Now, because we were out in the middle of kind of nowhere, like there, there was all powered by generators. And they put the generators on overnight until 6 a.m. But only until 6 a.m. So at 6.05, I would wake up in just this sweat. Uh, just this absolutely, yeah. just like, oh. Uh-huh. So, I'd guess, so every morning, I'd oh, so roll out the, of bed. They turn
0: the generators on for aircon overnight. Overnight,
1: overnight. They oh. turn the generators on overnight, but they shut down at 6. Yeah, yeah. I'd wake up at 6.05 sweating. I'd just literally get up, put my bodies on. Just walk straight into the beach, which was right in front of me. Yep. I'd fall into the water for a while. I'd cool off. I'd come back. I'd have like another little kip. Like an hour later, I'd wake up sweaty again. I'd go <laughs> back into the water, have another little kip, and then eventually I'd, 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 I'd migrate to the to the to the, um, the uh, what, what do I say they called the the hammock the hammock. Yeah. I'd migrate to the hammock, and then the the whole place was staffed by a guy and his family. So it was a husband and wife and two little kids. Yeah. And they were just hanging out. So they just literally sat in this little restaurant. Serving four people for the whole day, a couple of other people might come and go during the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They just sat there, mate, and you just go, Oh, could I grab a beer? They'd come over and they'd bring a beer. So I'd just sit there in the hammock drinking a beer and reading this novel. And just, yeah, the novel was just a gripping book that I just didn't want to put down. Yeah. Like every day, I'd just, you know, it's one of those books. And because I knew I had nothing else to do, it was so great because I think this was one of my most pleasurable book experiences. Yeah. Because it's a part of this whole bigger little adventure this whole bigger little thing of being somewhere, which was a little bit off the beaten track, so to speak, um, and then reading this book about this kind of, on one side this kind of uh, adventure war type story and the other side this this really magical, also adventure type story. Yeah. So it was just like a perfect kind of themed book for me to be delving into. Sure. Um, and it's my favourite Murakami book. This was my first Murakami book and now I've read similar ones, even these more... Renowned ones, and I'm just you know, it's like I'm chasing it's that first. Same. I'm yeah, chasing yeah, that yeah. first high yeah, yeah. from from this book because it just was just uh, amazing, and it was um, Murakami's a famous author, and for a reason. But I always you know because the story was just beautifully plotted and told. Yeah, but I also think when you're reading a Murakami novel, you've got to. It's about the the who who translated it too, right? Because True. his language is because it's, it's beautifully written.
0: Well, can I, can I quick shout out because this kind of ties in a little bit to an honourable mention I had. Yeah. It's a book called Cat in the City, oh, yeah. um, which I've just recently read, um, which is basically about, um, it's about seven or eight or nine maybe different people all living their lives through Tokyo, yeah. all tied together by this one Calico cat. But there's one particular chapter within the book that is actually completely translated from someone who's written it in Japanese. Yeah. And there's edit- editor's notes throughout the entire thing going, I've edited it this way because that's my interpretation yeah. of this of this translation because there isn't really a you know, a straight Japanese to English translation for this bit. Yeah. It's like you're saying, like the trans the translator and who actually translates yeah. that is a massive, massive part. It's a
1: massive, massive part. They're taking a huge they're, they're they're having to employ an amazing amount of skill to be as accurate as possible. Yeah. But yet just to get the the bits of prose flowing. Do you know what I mean? Like I imagine that would be a huge challenge, just to get the the meaning, the meaning coming through the same and the flow of the words to be just the same. Because it, it was eloquently written. Yeah. So, and, and you know, that's, that's Murakami's work. But I think there's also a degree of credit that goes to whoever translated this book. So, so it was a great book, great experience. Ironically, even though we were four, at the end, I finished the book. Yep. And that night we packed the book away and a couple of French tourists uh, arrived and we had a on The final it was actually a little party because the French tourists liked to party a little bit. So we sat on the beach drinking beers, and the fire started on the other side of the island. And we just watched this fire kind of creep its way along the side of the island. Um, I think it was burn off or something. I don't think it was a serious oh, okay, issue. okay, okay, okay. So we were watching this, we're drinking beer. I just had a few really relaxing days, sweaty days in this little powerless place in, you know, generator base place in, on the edge of Vietnam. And then at the end, we go, well, let's just on the way back, on the way back to the main town, let's just cruise around this island Mm. because there's only about four roads. Yeah. We'd only seen a couple of them. (laughs) So we'll go see what's on the other one. We go to this other road and, no joke, we come across to the very end of the island. We go up this hill and we're like, we're right at the end of the island. We couldn't be further away from anything. And we see this, like, what the hell is this? One of the biggest, most bustling resorts I've ever seen in my entire life. (laughs) It's stuck at the end of the island. (laughs) <laughs> and like just this bizarre little little resort, and I think it was kind of, when I say bizarre, I just think it was um, it was a resort that like people from Vietnam would frequent, but sure. it just was totally devoid of any kind of traveler or anything like that, any kind of like more foreign international traveler. How interesting! It was, interesting. Just, like it was real, just there. It was just there. Just it there. was just like this little oasis. We just popped up and there it was, and we're like, oh, what the hell? And then totally fenced off, so we couldn't even go near it. We couldn't even go and get ourselves a pina cloud by the by the pool. That's a shame. Yeah. So then we drove our motorcycle back, and we went back and and, and caught the boat back. Murakami, I think that Murakami has won the won the Pulitzer.
0: I can guarantee you that my, my my top two have not won the Pulitzer.
1: And I don't think he's won the Pulitzer, but he's won a few awards by the looks of things. It's an, it's an incredible imagination, Murakami. The worlds that he's kind of it's carved out of.
0: Usually a pretty good uh, a pretty good trait for a author to have is mm. a good imagination. Mm. Mm. I've tried writing stuff before. My imagination is not as uh, diverse as others. It doesn't, unfortunately, make for a a wholly exciting read. Which is probably why I enjoy more of the um, the real story side, the autobiographical side. Yeah, yeah. which is you know, which well, which leads into my number two, I suppose. Now, people who people who listen to this podcast know a a few things about both of us. But for me, everyone knows that I'm a I like Japan, and that I'm a massive wrestling fan. Right? Yeah. Now. My number two, I could have put like every single, like every wrestler autobiography that's ever been written, because it's a fascinating business, especially when you go back into the seventies, eighties, nineties, even yeah. like what these guys had to put themselves through for mm-hmm. their for their art uh, or craft. But the one that kicked it off for me was a book called um, "Foley Is Good: A Tale of Blood and Sweat Socks," uh, <laughs> written by one Mick Foley. Mick Foley, who's um, by far one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Yeah. And he penned it all himself. He wrote the whole thing. And this was in, this would have been in mid-2000s. So he would have had access to laptops and all that kind of stuff. But he actually wrote the entire thing by hand. Yeah, right. right? And he actually
1: has. Is, the, is the font uh, his handwriting? When you buy the book, is it his handwriting? Or just someone typed it out?
0: That would be something else. I think he mentions that in his foreword. going, even though I did do this. I wanted everyone to actually be able to read it because, mm. you know, Scribblings of a Madman. But he's... Because for someone who's taken as much damage on his body and on his head and mm. everything like that, to be able to write as well as he was able to write is is actually saying something. Because, like, then this is not a slight on him at all, but that business takes it out of people. Like, mm. they get a lot of concussions. You know, and famously in 1999, he had a match with The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Yeah, where The Rock... Kind of went off script a little bit and hit him in the head with a steel chair, without protection, eleven times. Busted his head open, you know. So concussions, especially in that nineties era, was um
1: eleven times.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. The rock, rock and rock and rock um, McFoley were good friends, and I still, and I think they're good friends now. But for that little period, for a little bit of time, yeah, McFoley so Fo- was not not very happy with him because yeah, just went bananas. Anyway. The way he's able to tell his story and how he grew up, loving wrestling as as a, as a kid, how he got into the business and how he progressed through the early days of his business, because he's written three books in total, I believe, from spanning his career. So this first book only covers, oh God, I'd say, I'd say probably the first fifteen to twenty years, like from when he started to um, just after he quote unquote retired, because wrestlers never retire; they say they do. And they just come back yep. when they need a paycheck. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he was talking about how he would he used to drive to Dominic DiNucci's wrestling school um, in – oh, God. He, was, he lived in Long Island. He used to drive to Philadelphia, I believe. So he used to commute 10 hours just to wrestling school, mm. sleep in his car, even through winter, for wrestling school. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, try and build a name for himself. And back then it was all about building a name, building a brand, building, you know, something about yourself that stands out. And – you know, it's a tough, it's a tough gig, and he used to detail a lot of the a lot of the the stories about how he he would do a show and he would get paid five dollars, you know, because the there was only twenty people there, so even though he was promised fifty, it mm. you know, wasn't as many people. Here's your five bucks, kid, on your way. Yeah, and he would have spent hundred bucks on fuel just to get to that that particular destination. Yeah, yeah but he would yeah. do it because he was you know wanting to build a name, and that's what you just had to do back then.
1: Yeah, yeah. You just yeah. had to sacrifice and put it all on the line.
0: Yeah, you, you literally had no other choice.
1: Ironically, when he made it, he still had to put it all on the line every day, just to, just to keep it going, because it's such a physically taxing sport.
0: Yeah, and if you know anything about Mick Foley, like he would used to put his he would put his body on the line more so than anyone else. Mm. Like there are some things he does where he just throws himself onto concrete floors, mm. like back first, mm. you know, from from about two or, two or three meters high in the air, mm. and just take it, just land on his back. And he would only do that because he, would, he thought that's what that's what people wanted that's what people wanted yeah. a fam- there's a famous match in 1998 with the Undertaker, which I'm sure everyone's seen the hell in a cell match where he gets thrown off the top of a f- of this like literally it's about a five six foot high yeah. cell like cage, and he gets thrown off the top of it onto the floor six meter high. yeah well, six meters is pretty tall, isn't it?
1: Six feet is, six feet is, like we're above six foot, so it had to be, it was, it was metres, you're talking about metres, you're talking about like. Yeah, a, but six metres is. 10 to 15 like, feet, I reckon. No. I've seen, was, I've seen that video, I reckon yeah. you're looking at 12, 12 feet.
0: No, well, because a basketball ring's 10. Yeah. And it was higher than that.
1: It was higher than that. I mean, So the, 15.
0: Because the top of the ring, like from the, from the base of the apron to the top yeah. of the ring, yeah. that's about 10 feet. So that it was, it was that again, and then a bit. So it was about 25 feet. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. Because, you know, you see someone like the Big Show, right? The Big Show who's like seven foot something. When he walks through the ring, he'll be from the floor up until about the second rope. And then there's, ah, a, yeah. and then there's another rope on top of that. So, yeah. So, from the floor to the top of the... um, that's true, actually. Yeah. yeah. But that's what, that's what he would do. But then intertwined in all that story about how he was just following his passion and following his love mm. was his love for his family and how he's a huge... Like, he's a real softy. Like, he's a real, real soft soft guy. Like, you take... On one hand, you've got his barbed wire death matches that he used to have in Japan, mm. where he would like literally have third degree burns after the match, and then he'd go back home to his family and, and go straight to Disneyland because he loves Disneyland and he loves Christmas, mm. you know, all this kind of stuff. Like he's um he's a real enigma. Is is McFoley?
1: He sure is, because also you're looking at him, and I know who McFoley is. So if you don't, uh, if you're listening to this, you know who McFoley is. He's uh, from about 20 years ago in the wrestling world. Yeah, I'd say about twenty years. And, you know, he was a bit yeah. of a portly fellow.
0: Yes, he was, um, and which he also had- White spoke to me a little bit as well. He wasn't like <laughs> he wasn't like the ripped. He wasn't like the ripped, yeah, like yeah, yeah, buff yeah. dude like you'd get. You know,
1: and he had three characters, right? So he had Dude Love, which was like a hippie character dude with tie dye. Yep. Then he had. Who else did he have? Oh damn! I was going to be really excited. What was the one of the socko? What was one with that the was, soccer? That was mankind. Mankind. So then he was mankind, which was like a guy yeah. dressed in like a leather face mask and had like a, a sock that he spoke to. Yep. So he was playing to, to kind of like... And the, people
0: wonder why I think wrestling... People's,
1: <laughs> why is wrestling so ridiculous, Liam? And what was the third character? Cactus Jack? Jack. Cactus Jack. And
0: Cactus Jack was his persona that he would play for all of his more hardcore-esque matches, like the ones with oh, the barbed wire and the thumbtacks. He was Cactus Jack. He was Cactus those. Jack. When he was like the fun-loving character, he was do-love. And then when he was kind of an amalgamation of the two, that would be yeah. Mankind.
1: And his, and his bit that, made him, that got him noticed was the fact that he was the... Most hardcore guy around, right? So but, he did more hardcore stuff than anyone else.
0: But this is the fascinating bit about the book, right? Because he goes into how he kind of fell into being that guy, you know, because everyone was kind of like, oh, he loves pain. That's what it is. He just loves pain. He's like, I fucking don't. Yeah. Like, who likes pain? Well, some people, but that's not why I did it. I did it because, like, that's the kind of area that I fell into within the business, right? Yeah. I got this, this reputation as being someone who would do these crazy things because – You know, you've got the one side of wrestling where you're trying to make your opponent look good as well. Yeah. And so he would do some really ludicrous things. But then he'd talk about how he fell into that and then he felt like he had to kind of turn that volume up on that side of his character in order to make himself successful. Yeah. Yeah. But it's more so just the insight from, A, A, someone who I really respect and admire in terms of like what he's done um, and who he is as a person. Let's hope he doesn't do something to get cancelled after this goes out and make me me look silly. Um, I'm sure he won't. Just the, the notion of what he what he did to get where he is and highlight what it took in the backstage areas of that industry is fascinating. And I think even if you don't like wrestling, even if you think wrestling is the lamest shit in the world, yeah, if you read this book, you'd be like, oh, fucking hell. Like the things that these guys used to do to get themselves to where they wanted to be or where they thought they could get to. Mm. And not everyone makes it. Like not everyone makes it to the big time. No, everyone gets paid the big bucks to do this. Mm. There are still people now who wrestle in backyards in front of three people and put themselves through hell for nothing, for no yeah. reason whatsoever. Yeah. No. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's, it's a really fascinating book. It's a really fascinating <laughs> read. Uh.
1: <laughs> There's that sentence. Yeah. The three people in the backyard putting <laughs> themselves through hell for no reason whatsoever. It's true. It's like, yeah, I guess it's a, it's a strange old little place wrestling. Yeah. A strange, old and there place. are some there are some people
0: who have started doing that, and then mm. someone ha- happens just to kind of see them, and it kind of snowballs. Mm. Like it does happen. But I think that's the reason why people still do it because they saw like the success of one person out of mm. a million who do this, and then just thought, oh, let's let's have a let's have a wrestling match in our backyard and see if we can get a few people to come around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a it's a it's a really fascinating business, and it's a lot more clean nowadays. Like there's a lot more like clear avenues to get to. Yeah like WWE has a whole performance center where you get get hired to train mm. in a safe space. Mm. Mm. You don't have to you know, train yourself and, and have matches with. And also back in the day, like all of the old guys, all of the old guard who were trying to keep their spot mm. would legitimately beat the fuck out of you as a young boy or as a, as a young wrestler to kind of, quote-unquote, teach you the ropes Mm. or teach you the respect of the business. Mm. And just hearing all those stories as well. Like I think um, Mick Foley was telling how he had a match with Davey Boy Smith or Dynamite Kid, so two very famous wrestlers from Britain. Most people probably would have heard of the British Bulldog because he was pretty big, but he was in a match when he was 19, him and some other guy, and he took a clothesline from Davey Boy Smith so, Dynamite Kid, sorry. And instead of like Dynamite K- uh, Kid doing the actual, you know, proper technique of, you know, kind of cupping your elbow and not actually hitting them, but you kind of get them just below the, like yeah. on, on the chest area, he closed on the fuck out of his jaw and broke it in three places. Oh. Yeah. That was his, like one of his first matches as well. Damn. But you know what? They love that kid going. Anyway, I've, I've rambled. But, that, um, but that's, that's why that book so- is particularly.
1: So the reason the book is particularly interesting is because the book goes into – the book is a place that like like books are yeah. to go into so much more detail and nuance yeah. in, in things and then you get often out of a doco or a film Correct. or a TV show. Yeah, yeah. Like, and, and, and you get that when you, like, when you see a book made into a film, you see how hard – you know, how much detail is actually in a book.
0: Yes. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: You know, because there's so many things like, like you know, like the – it's just there's just a lot more to a book, I think, than, than you get in the, in, in, a, in a film.
0: I think with the book, like, there's really no no real limitation on length and size. Mm. And what you've actually said will actually tie into my number one quite nicely. But yeah, like with the book, you can basically write as much as you want. Mm. Like one thing I've learned with writing in my job and stuff like that, there is certain times where you have to cut out the fluff, mm. which is why an editor is required mm. for for a novel or something like that, because an editor can go through and say you've you've said this like two chapters ago. Cut it here. Th- those kind of edits are good, but for other, other outside of that, it's pretty um, it's pretty yeah, unfiltered.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You can get away with more in, in text as well than you can visually, I
1: think, as well. And I think also there's like you know because when you're reading books as well, when you're reading, you're you're doing so much more work as an audience member as well because you're creating that world in your, in your head. You're visualizing in your head. That's true. You know when you've seen a movie on a book. Um, you you've, the half that work's kind of done for you when you're watching a movie. There's still a lot of work to do when watching a movie. At least I think there is because I'm analysing the film. Yeah, yeah. But it's different to you know when you just got text. You've got the pros of the you've got the description. You got the pros, but at the end of the day, what those characters look like and what the world looked like is something di- different to all of us, right? Correct. It's something that each of us have created in our own little heads. That's what makes it so special. Yeah, and that's also what makes it so hard when you translate a book to to film. Cause you, because you never, yeah. you hardly ever meet it, right? You hardly ever actually hit what people want. What that's not need. what Harry
0: looks like to me. Yeah, <laughs> Harry Potter looks like something completely different. Mm. Yeah, it's it is definitely tricky. But that's why, like, people always say, like, oh, you got to read the books first. I'm like, well, I kind of prefer looking at the TV show or the movie first. Mm. So I have got those kind of the voices and the and the look of the character mm. in my head. I think it does form that. Kind of that that part makes it a bit easier, but I do get your point. Like it is quite a quite a challenge to kind of.
1: I think at the end of the day, both are both. Like for me, I, I, I never I never bothered myself too much with what order I do things with because it I, I, you know it depends on on how they present to me in life. Like if a great new film is out at the cinema and it's based on a book, and I haven't read the book. I don't care so much because I actually want to see the film when it's in the cinema and I want, it to, I want, to, I want to participate in discussions when it's in the culture, when people are talking about it. Sure, sure, sure. So sure. I'm not going to sacrifice missing out on that to just say, hold on, hold on, hold on, I want to read the book first. <laughs> so it's kind of time and place, you know, like I've read books before I've seen the films and I've seen the films before I've read the books and... I, it is what it is. I think at the end of the day, when it's good, yeah. it doesn't matter so much.
0: There's one. There's one example actually that where I've watched a TV show about a book, and then I've gone back and read the book, and it hasn't quite worked. Mm. And it's The Man in the High Castle because mm. right? I watched The Man in the High Castle, which is an amazing series um, on, I want to say Amazon. I can't remember, but I think it's an Amazon I think original. It is, yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. And I've recently picked up the Philip K. Dick book of the same name, which is what yep. it's based on. Yeah. But the characters, it, it creative license because. Man of the High Castle, the novel, is thin. It's very, very small. Mm. The TV show is three or four seasons of you know of storyline that they've yeah. kind of stretched out. And the characters in the in the TV show, I created a very, very clear understanding of what they were. But that doesn't translate to the book that well.
1: At all, actually.
0: Mm. Mm. Like you try and picture the character that you've seen in the TV show and in the first few pages of the novel, you're like, that's not the character that mm. I know from the TV show. So that's probably one example where it hasn't worked in my favour. Yeah. At all.
1: Yeah. Well, interesting that we're talking about this transition because my number two, yeah. I've, as, as, as I've had moments to reflect on my, my rank, I've real, I was like, is this recency bias? Is this recency bias that I'm putting this one up there? But no, I think it is my legit number two because I think growing up I remember this book having a really big influence okay. on me and it's Frank Herbert's Dune. Oh, okay. And I think I, in, our, in one of our previous episodes, I've spoken about how I used to listen to the Forrest Gump soundtrack in the lounge room. You did. I have very clear memories of me reading Frank Herbert's Dune in that same lounge room on the the green couches at the time. <laughs> um, and I'm a bit, I guess I'm a bit more familiar with the plot. I can recall the plot details a little bit more because I've just seen, seen the film. Yeah. But I think, and, and I think if you've read Dune, well, you probably understand why it's such a, phenomenal kind of classic. Yeah. Like it's it's the book. Frank Herbert's Dune is what really defined like in 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 storytelling, the hero's journey. Okay. You know, and it's what Star Wars was based on. It's what so many so many Star Wars are based on Dune. Oh yeah, drawn. So many parallels have been drawn from Dune into Star Wars. Okay. You know, and Dune was always considered the unfilmable book. Because I, you know, because it's, it's it's a pretty long book. Yeah. Certainly, the only reference that we had to draw from was the David Lynch film in the '80s, which some people love. For me, not so much. Like I feel like um, I was very impressed by the Denis nerve, you know, the, the the new retelling of June as yeah. a film, where I was like, damn, they really did like nail it. And maybe it's because it's been over 25 years since I read the June. Yeah. That I was like, it's oh, not wow. as fresh in your mind. It's not as fresh in really? my mind. So you know, like, but but obviously. Amazing film, but I just recall as a young person just getting absolutely enthralled in this world of mm. Paul Atreides aligning with the Fremen, becoming you know existing um, becoming the the hero, yeah. or the, fulfilling the prophecy so to speak. But then you know the series of Dune goes on just beyond the first book, and I think I read the first three. And what the first, what the second, and third do is they start to actually play with the idea of was he actually the prophecy? You know, like what happens then what happens when someone becomes a prophet? Yeah. Like they can never actually live to the live to the idea. You know, and he becomes this kind of like this big this kind of broken husk of a character that kind of falls back into the back into the it's, front it's, of people and, 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 and you know, he becomes a bit of an outsider. So it, like they, they they take it further, but in the first the first book you're looking at the, the prophetical rise of what's his character's name? What's what's the
0: Oh name? I've not seen all red June, so I'm not entirely sure.
1: Have you, have you seen the, the new one? No. It's more Aguib more or something like that. It's, it's a character uh, – and it's it's funny in the sense like the – when you look at the criticisms these days of what's dominated culture, yeah, American Western culture for 20, 30 years, of like the, the heroic white male saviour. Yeah. He is – this is the original white saviour film. Like this is a white guy from, from – from, um, House Atreides coming into Arrakis. Ha-
0: House of Atreides just makes me think of like this tribe coming out of Mida 10 or Bunnings.
1: House Atreides? What of do you mean? A tribe? What?
0: I'm confused. House of Atreides. House of trade. <laughs> I thought you have been saying House of Atreides this entire time. At- Atreides.
1: Atreides. Okay. House Atreides. No wonder you were confused. Yeah, House of Atreides. <laughs> that's why That's why June's prophetic because it, it, <laughs> it predicted the cash that Bergen. Oh, yes. the rise of the Kashtar Bogan. Yeah. You know, no one, no one was expecting it. Yeah, but you know, uh, Frank Herbert wrote this book, and then you know, <laughs> forty years later, yeah, Kashtar Bogan came up during the Perth Binding Burn. I'm oh, like, my God, it's the, it's June. It's June. It's Paul the It's more Gibb. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's an adventure story. It was gripping. I remember all those things. It was a beautiful world, and like it was a perfect, perfect case in point of when I was reading it as a child, I didn't have a film to base it on because sure. it was the unfilmable book. Yeah. You know, there was a William Hurt miniseries and there was this David Lynch film, but neither was particularly like. You know, Lynch, is
0: one, Lynch is the one that kind of takes a bit more of an uh, artistic licence with him, doesn't he? he oh, the Lynch. Lynch
1: film's wild. Wild, yeah, yeah. The Lynch film's wild. Yeah. And I think a lot of the artwork was done... Oh gosh, I've, I've, I've got no words at the moment. I've got I feel like I've got no knowledge. I've rocked up to this It's a Sunday afternoon. I can't recall any information. <laughs> but anyway, it's a wild, wild, wild '80s film. Yeah, uh, to the point where David Lynch actually removed himself. This was one of the first, and this is the fa- or a famous film that's been directed by Alan Smithy. Alan Smithy. If you ever see Alan Smithy in a movie credit, it's when someone has not wanted to be credited. Oh, okay. And has asked for their name to be removed from the production. Oh, so they're, they're, they're credited as Alan Smithy. Um, because they're not happy with it, so he, you know, so June was directed by Alan Smithy because okay. David Lynch hated how how it had been hacked away by by the studio. Oh, I see, I
0: see, mm. I see. And it's a
1: wild, wild film. But certainly, when I visualized and, and when I was on the couch reading Frank Herbert's June as a kid, I wasn't visualizing uh, Sting in, in 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 tights. You know, like it's a wild film. Sting
0: is in the singer. Sting is in the is in, is in the first June
1: movie. Sting's in the first June film. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Well. I mean, what, that, what, that was kind of the era for singers to be in uh, in movies and tights. I mean, you got Labyrinth, David Bowie.
1: Yep. So yeah, I think he plays. Um, he's not Baron Harkonnen, but he's the the nephew. He's the is the the evil nephew Harkonnen. His name I can't recall, and he's the one that they battle at the end. I think he battles Paul. Atreides battles him at the end. <laughs> he's in Sting. He's basically wearing like this. These kind of like frilly speedo things, and it's just like a wild sounds film. tantric. Well, it's wild. Like it is really sexualized, definitely. Yeah. It's a wild, it's a wild film, the Lynch version. Like it's just wild. Time. I'm
0: in a I'm in a, a an unenviable an unenviable position right now. Be, no, an enviable position no less. Where I haven't seen or watched any of the um I've read the book. I mm-hmm. haven't seen either movie. Mm-hmm. So I can do whatever order I want. That's true. I can watch I can watch the David Lynch boy and watch that movie first and be like, okay, I've got an idea of the characters in my head, and then read the book and then go back and watch the most recent film and be like, this
1: is all wrong. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So if I was you, I'd read the book first in this case. Okay. But the fi- but the new film's out. But you've kind of you know you're not it's not it's a new release. So it's not new. You'd be able to revisit it anytime you want. It's a brilliant film. Well, that's a
0: good thing about um movies. You can go down a blockbuster, get yourself a little VHS, chuck it in the VCR player, and off, off you go.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, so you could ju- jump in your DeLorean, mm. and or uh, I- or you or, you, or your mag <laughs> your, your magma, your HBC yeah, yeah. magma. Magma, <laughs> go jump in the Mitsubishi Magma. Drive down the blockbuster video. Get the VHS. Ignore me. Ignore me. I'm literally reading Wikipedia, and this is this is this is that podcast. We don't claim to be any level of expertise because we didn't prepare for this because we couldn't because we, we rolled a, we rolled a wheel. So that's why <laughs> that's why some of our podcasts are just us reading uh, Wikipedia in the moment. And I'm reading the wrong information now. And I
0: was, I was going to say because like we were looking through stuff, and I was like looking at the timestamp where we we're currently at. I was like, damn. And we still have to do number ones. So I'll jump into my number one right sure. now because it's also based on a movie. Mm-hmm. Incorrect. The the has, It's had a movie based on it. Mm. And the novel that I'm thinking about is called Battle Royale. Oh.
1: Was it a book before it was a movie? Was my
0: man. Let me just find out, just so I'm not making, my, making a fool of myself, if it was one of those ones that was written like after the movie, but I'm fairly certain it was written beforehand. And it goes into a lot more, a lot more detail than the um, – than the movie could ever do. Which makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the, the book came out uh, in 1996. Uh, Koshun Takami wrote it. Yeah. And essentially, it's a story about the kids have basically overrun Japan. The kids have overrun it. All, yeah. all, all the older generations have, have died out. Yeah. And the kids are becoming little punks, basically. So, in order to quell this, the government releases a the Battle Royale Act, which essentially requires a, a school, a, a group of school children from a class is chosen at random yeah. to be dumped on a desert island and essentially they have to go and all kill each other off. Now, I watched the movie first. Um, loved the movie. The movie's fantastic. I'm pretty sure I watched it... Did I watch it with you the first time? I feel like that was one of the ones we watched out the back on the old cinema that we set up in
1: Um, I remember I first watched Battle Royale um, in Scotland. I oh, wow. It, remember it specifically because I had to borrow my um, flatmate's room because yeah. she had a DVD player and a TV which I did not have. Okay. Anyway, so I have a specific but maybe it was but maybe. Yeah. I think we definitely have watched it together at some stage.
0: It's one of those movies that I've watched several times after the fact. Mm, mm. And then I stumbled upon the the novel. I can't remember where I was, but I saw it one day in the in the shops. So I was like, "Wait, and I saw the little uh the little motif on the front that looked like Shuya and Noriko." So Shuya and Noriko, who are the two like main main protagonists of the whole of the whole book and the whole novel on the front and I started through it and I was like, oh, this is, this is the same book. This is the same story, except the book is, it's fat. It's fat. So yeah. like the movie where the movie kind of goes into a few different characters and only just delves into a few main central characters. Yeah, The book tells the story of each individual child who's been dropped on the island. Now, some of these kids are from well-to-do families. Some of these kids are, you know, bullied in their fat. I'm pretty sure it delves into the idea of homosexuality in some of the kids as well, which in Japan, especially in the 90s, even now, to be honest, Mm. is kind of seen as a bit of a still a bit of a taboo. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the one of the kids just you know finds a a porta potty to go to the toilet. You know, in the in the in the book, Mm. some kid you never heard of in the movie, like he's one of the one of the ones that's just kind of like a footnote, because the movie still goes through every single kid.
1: But it doesn't have the time. This is this is what we're saying about books. Yeah. yeah. How much time you've got in a book. You can go and explore each character. That's right. You know, it's almost like an episode of Lost. Yeah. Like they're all on the island, but then they have this little well, let's hear the backstory. Let's find who this person is.
0: And it's interesting like hearing a lot more backstory from these characters that you didn't see in the movie as well. Mm. Like you get to you get to know a lot more about the plight of each individual child on there. Because it's a heartbreaking movie. Like the whole idea of it is just like it's horrible because you've got these kids who are friends with each other. Mm. or being forced into this situation by the government to kill each other off because of you know something that they probably weren't even involved in. You know It was kind of like a greater kind of decision made by the government. Mm. And so they're all there and it's this kind of morality barrier of like do I kill my friend so I can survive mm. or do we all try and just find a way out of this together knowing full well that that ain't going to happen, that mm. it's not going to be a thing. When you have the opportunity to dive into each of the other little characters that are part of that story as well for the main two protagonists, it definitely sets you up more like fondly, like you, you develop more of a fond relationship with these with these characters. So when the main protagonists come and find, like run into them again eventually, you're like, oh, it's that guy.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Whereas in the movie, it's kind of like, oh, that
1: guy's dead. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It, it, does, not, it doesn't have the same of avatars.
0: It does not. So yeah, it, it's definitely one of the ones that. One of the one of the books that kind of that I've read a couple of times actually, and that's probably why it's my number one. Purely mm. for that reason, it's the only book that I've read uh, multiple times. Because it's one of those books as well that every time you read it, you'll pick up something else yeah. along the way that you, yeah. that you missed before.
1: And it's, isn't it interesting? So the idea of books, um, obviously, uh, it's a it's a very old form of storytelling. It's been around for a long time. Yeah, some would argue it's the purest, it's the highest level of storytelling. I find it interesting as well, though, like even if you're not a big reader, Mm. like books can, um, and this is where I think pop culture is these days, which is defined a lot by big franchises and intellectual property and cross-platform stuff, Yeah, which is that it's all about expanding the world and it's all about the extended kind of universe and it's all about canon. Yeah. All right? so your interest in is in Japan Japanese film and and, and and Battle royale but also the but the book allows you to expand that world
0: that's right yeah, yeah.
1: Um, Star Wars is a perfect example because okay. Star Wars people say oh Star Wars you know they're doing so much now they're expanding the galaxy whatever Star Wars has been expanding this universe for years yeah. you know you've got these great animated series the Clone Wars and Rebels, but you've also got all these novels that have been written the Star Wars novel series uh, it's, there's, there's a lot of them. Yeah. And they're all canon. So they're all stories expanding the universe. And they all add, you know, there's one character that pops into one episode of The Mandalorian who's just like, oh, yeah, you know, if you're not paying attention, it doesn't mean anything. You can still enjoy the episode of The Mandalorian. Yeah. But if you're a big Star Wars fan, if you've read the book, you go, oh, that's that character.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, oh,
1: you know, you get this big moment. Yeah, so, yeah. so much of, and, and, and now you've got podcasts that talk about stuff. You've got, so you've got the one standalone thing, which is what we kind of used to have. Now you've got all these other bits of bits of media that expand on and talk about, like they continue the story, yeah, a depth of the story, or it's just fans and people talking about the story, yeah. Um, But I kind of feel like that's actually where a lot of um, there's a lot of big franchise books. You know, I feel like book. Like the, like like novels and, and literature is still a huge significant part of the creative arts because of because of that. But also, when you think about what are some of the main bits of IP that have kind of emerged, like so much of it has come out of book. Twilight's come out of book. Yeah, uh, Harry Potter's started as a novel series. Um, the Hunger Games is a uh, Harry are, Potter's are, just started as a novel series. You know, started out as a novel. Oh. You know, started out as books. Like they became <laughs> <I was> gonna, <laughs> they became franchises from the books was be, way okay. before they. Made movies out of them. you know say, what I mean?
0: I was about to say, I, I to break it to you, but Harry Potter's been a book for a little while.
1: <laughs> so so, so well, all I'm saying is that books are still really, in a lot of ways, a dominant part of the the culture and a dominant art form. Yeah. In that a lot of what we see is um, starts in books and it's still a huge part of what people are consuming all the time. Particularly kids, young people. Which yeah. Is, which is good. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um and, and for yourself, when you've got interest, you can, you know, you can, you can whether it's the life, life of Mick Foley or it's the yeah. expanding on the characters of Battle Royale, you know, you can do that in, in, in literature.
0: You can. You have definitely more leeway and more mm. you know, more time, mm. and more, more, more
1: space to do that and stuff mm. like that. So. Mm. Mm. So, so I'll keep moving. Yeah, let's, let's, let's do let's, it. Let's wrap it up. Let's do it. So my number one goes back to childhood. Now, I would never leave home without this book. Buggerlug's Bum Thief. No, The Wind in the Willows. Oh, you did. So I, ra- I raised it earlier you because did. it's uh, it's a very special book for me. Like literally, I had a book, copy of The Wind in the Willows. I would not leave home without it. I would bring it with me. Talking to my mum, I would bring it with me everywhere. Yeah. Sisters go swimming lessons. I'd be sitting on the side reading Wind in the Willows. You know, like on the way to school, I'm driving around, Wind in the Willows. Like I'd just read this book. Yeah. Over and over and over and over and over again. So Wind in the Willows, it was written, I think, in the early 1900s. Kenneth Graham. Um, it's set place in just country, ye old country England. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, abound, uh, in and around the characters of mole, rat, toad, and badger. And I think that was just, I think what attracted me to, and most of, probably the most of, and there's lots of little side stories, but the main story that runs through Wind of the Willows is that of the um, mischievous ragamuffin that is Toad, <laughs> uh, Mr. Toad, yeah. who goes off on this kind of crime spree. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah, Mr. Tate goes off on a little bit of a crime spree, he just, goes, <laughs> he just runs amok, basically. <laughs> but I think like, well, I, I, you know, Badger was my favourite character, it was kind of like an older, wiser kind of character, yeah, no, and I just remember just like, it was the world, it was just living in amongst like the, the English kind of yeah. forests, you know, which I think just really appealed to me. So I think I loved the stories, but I think I also just gravitated to the characters and the world and the place and could picture myself being there as a little kid.
0: So you've, you mentioned Wind of the Willows earlier in the episode. And yeah. You mentioned it again now. Yeah. And it's weird. It's yeah. one of those things where I have fond memories of Wind of the Willows. Yeah. But I couldn't tell you a thing about it. I can't – It's, it's yeah. one of those things that like, as a kid I'm sure you're exposed to a lot. Yeah. Like, like a lot, a lot.
1: Yeah. Like, I, I, all I remember really is Mr. Toad. Yeah. Mr. Toad's the main plot line that, that carries through the story. And I remember him just causing trouble after trouble after trouble after trouble after trouble.
0: Cheeky toad,
1: cheeky toad. He was a cheeky toad, and then eventually, you know, he literally goes on a crime spree. On the but, but a lot of this stuff I've, I've found, as we always do on the spot, like when you how can't prepare, you're like, ah, oh, books. Yeah. I can't remember the plot to Win in the those very well either. But I can't remember the plot to June
0: very well. It doesn't matter though, because the the, the the point is, the like, point is, it's about the connection. It's right? the connection.
1: Yeah, 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 you're connected into the story. You love the story. And you love the characters. When you're reading, it's like it's like a warm blanket around you when you're reading a good book. Yep, you're deep inside a book. Like all life's troubles are kind of gone, and you just you literally just transported into, into into this world, and and I think it's better. A good book is better than. Uh, it's funny what what what, what you're trying to do in film and television and games and 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 whatever animations. Mm. In a sense, we're trying to get close to the experience of reading a book. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, I'm more of a film and TV buff. We all know that I don't read as much as I would like to. Sure. But when you think about it, you know, we think about film as 2D, 3D, whatever it is, book for me is deep in our imagination. It's 5D, 6D, it's whatever it is. Everything else that we've tried to do, whether it's painting, uh, animations, film, we're trying to capture what the experience I think is of reading a book. Yeah. Because when you read deep inside that book, you are creating a full world inside your head. You were, in, you were in that world. It's like VR. Yeah. It's like we've had virtual reality for hundreds of years already because yeah. we've had books. 100%. Do you know what I mean? It,
0: it, it's a fascinating thing about books as well because you do – you're literally – all you're doing is reading words but you're also like not – your brain is working at such a weird capacity to mm. be able to kind of take those words, mm. understand them, but then completely, completely construct this idea of this story and this world in your in your skull. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you. That's the best thing about reading a book. It's like you're, put, you're putting – and even if, you've, even if you have an idea of faces, like mm-hmm. like from autobiographies, like whoever – anyone who writes an autobiography, obviously you know what they look like because mm-hmm. it's, their, it's their story. But even if you see a movie first and you've got an idea of what this person actually looks like, it actually allows you to then create the rest of the, the story and the rest of the space around them, you know, more – more clearly as well. Mm, 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 so, no,
1: mm. I, agree, I agree with you in that sense that yeah. the um, reading
0: is a very, very, a very lovely way to spend some time.
1: It is. And it's a sad. I'm, I'm the first to admit it. I rarely go to the book now. I rarely, in today's fast paced hustle and bustle I'm world, I rarely really, I really turn to it. I've just recently joined a book club, like yeah. I said, and I'm trying to hopefully get on top of this book uh, and be a part of it. But it, it's, um, I think the reward is more from a book, but I also think it takes time. And I also think it's hard to write a good, great book and I think if you're not into the book early, then I think you've just got to give up on it. I must admit. Do you know what I mean? Like, Because yeah. like it, it's such a time of commitment. You're like, it's a time of commitment. Don't force yourself into a book. Like You're not, that you're not into it. Like the book's got to grab you. The book's got to draw you in. It's really hard to write a classic great book. But when you find one and when you're into it, gosh, it's great. And I'm sure some of the people out there probably read, read a book a week, some of the people that listen to this. Oh, yeah, this yeah. And, and there's still those people out there.
0: There's, there's people who are definitely going to listen to this episode hoping for, you know, some Dostoevsky, hoping for some, uh, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, Vladimir Putin's a big listener of the That's Rank podcast. And I oh, he a big is, Dostoevsky fan. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, But you know what I mean? Like some, some, hoping for some like more, I don't know. Uh, cultured. Cultured decisions or cultured choices. But mm-hmm. you know what? They can do their own rank. They can yeah. list their own books.
1: And they should go to a, a book uh, reading uh, podcast.
0: They should. Yeah, where they talk about Because you know what those are going to be like, though. It's like, today on yeah. Chapters with Pete, we're going to <laughs> dive deep into the the minutiae and the nuance of uh, this beautiful novel, mm-hmm. this little novella from a, uh, a, a character called Dark Man Cometh from <laughs> Peter Gabriel. I've named a singer there, but, you know, I couldn't think of an author's name, which is probably more to the point where I don't read enough.
1: Hey, hey, Peter Gabriel. Mm. I'm sure if you read a book, if you wrote a book, it'd be a bloody sledgehammer.
0: (laughs) Good. I'm glad you said sledgehammer. This is the only Peter Gabriel (laughs) song I know as well. All right, let's wrap wrap this bad boy up. You got anything else to add about Wind of the Willows, your your emotional number one?
1: No, but just as a child, um, and like I'll say, and I'm going to take it away from books. As a final thought. Okay. I'm, I'm, Wind of the Willows is done, but can I say a final thought?
0: Oh, Of course you can. That's, that's how we always end these That's how we days. always end yeah. it. And
1: I think um, whether it's a book, for me it was Wind of the Willows as a kid, it was Frank Herbert's June, um, uh, books and stories, whatever, whatever way you take your stories, I tell you, in uh, life's darkest moments, sometimes it can be the sense of peace and understanding and connection that we gain through a good story I can help just get us through things as well as teach us a few lessons along the way, help us make sense of the world. So wherever you take your stories, whether it's uh, through a TV series, a video game, a film, a book, or a Twitter feed. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) However you take your stories, (laughs) I hope that those stories are helping you through this wild, wild world and life that we all live through.
0: Beautiful. Always 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 lovely. It's always lovely to end with your with your thoughts.
1: They're always they're always fantastic. <laughs> they
0: hit the spot every time. Alright everybody. We'll see you next Tuesday.